0: Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alache, Brian Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poppen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. All right, here we are back again. Impact Studios here. I'm here with top drawer soccer reporter J.R. Eskelson. How are you doing, J.R.? Great, thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, so today we'll talk a little bit about the Big Ten Men's Soccer Tournament, and then we'll talk about where some of the teams may end up in the NCAA Tournament. Just to go over how the uh, Big Ten Tournament though, so it's a little different this year. We have the first game; it's going to be hosted by the number one seed Maryland, which is going to host the eight-nine game, and that'll uh, that'll be uh, Wisconsin and Rutgers at College Park, and then we'll have Maryland playing the winner of that game at College Park. And then we'll have Penn State against Michigan State at in uh, University Park, PA. And then we'll have Northwestern in in Indiana in Evanston, Illinois. And then we'll have Ohio State and Michigan in Columbus. And then what will happen is in the semifinals, the highest seed of whoever's left will host the rest of the games, which could be Maryland, it could be anyone. And then uh, the final games will be hosted on that site. And then we'll have a champion. So, uh, Jr., what do you think of this new system that Big Ten has brought in about the Big Ten tourney?
1: It's definitely unique. Uh, I feel like they're trying to make a way of culminating all the teams together for the semifinals and finals to make it some sort of a bigger event. So, it, it could turn out well. I feel like it gives a decent advantage to the number one seed, like you mentioned. Rutgers plays Wisconsin at College Park, and then the next day they're going to have to play against Maryland. So, it's definitely a huge advantage for the number one seed in this sort of tournament format.
0: Well, let's start with the 8 uh, 9 game. So we have Rutgers coming in as the 8 seed, Wisconsin at the 9 seed. What, Wisconsin was probably the team we thought they'd do maybe a little better than they actually did. Rutgers finishing just ahead of them. Uh, Wisconsin 3 11 3, but they're 0 7 0 away from home, where Rutgers is 5 11 1 overall and 1-3-1 and one away from home. I think this is a toss-up game because I feel like the freshmen for Wisconsin, we have Mark Segbers and Tom Barlow. Uh, Segbers with 13 points, Tom Barlow with 11 points. Uh, their goalkeeper situation is a little iffy. Uh, they've been splitting time between uh, two guys, Casey Byers and uh, Adrian Renuminick. So what do you make of this game?
1: I think the slight edge goes to Rutgers just because I think Rutgers is capable of scoring a few more goals. I, I Like you said, it's a, it's a toss-up for the most part, but I feel a little more confident in Rutgers' ability to play a few more in the back of the net. I don't think either team's been great defensively this year, and I think this game's probably going to turn into some sort of a shootout with both teams. Basically, they're playing for their lives at this point. This could be the end of the season, so... You're just gonna go out and go for it. The uh, freshman forward for Rutgers, Jason Wright, he's got a very good debut season. I think he's sort of the player to watch in this game. I think Wisconsin's gonna have a little bit of trouble containing him.
0: Yeah, Jason Wright, eight goals and four assists, has twenty points this year as a freshman. Uh, we also have JP Correa for Rutgers, three goals, one assist, seven points as a redshirt junior. You know who who's gonna to have to? Is it Correa and Wright? They're gonna have to step up for Rutgers, or is it is it, uh, it gonna be like Eric Saw as well stepping up for Rutgers to to win the game?
1: I think it's going to have to be all those guys. I think they're going to need contributions from all of their offensive talent. I think they're going to have to be a little bit dynamic in how they approach this game and who they find their goals from. I think Jason Wright's capable of putting maybe the team on his shoulders for a couple minutes, playing, pulling a few goals out of things. Even if he doesn't score them, dishing off assists, that sort of thing. He's a direct player with speed, and he's capable of getting behind defenses. So he's those. He's the type of player who can break down a defense in that manner. But I think overall Rutgers is gonna to have to count on contributions from a lot of players, especially if they have dreams of trying to win this game and win the next game too.
0: What's it gonna take for Wisconsin to win? Is it gonna take a great game from Mark from Mark Segbers and Tom Barlow?
1: I think it's gonna take to to a great game from their goalkeeper. Whoever they decide to start in this game, Casey Byers or Adrian Remek, whichever one gets the call, I think they're gonna to have to come up with five, maybe six good saves and just to keep it a low scoring game. I think Wisconsin's probably capable of playing two, maybe three in the back of the net. So I think the goalkeeper's going to have to make a couple of saves just because of how open some of these games with Wisconsin have been and how you sort of need to have that timely save to make a huge difference, especially in tournament play where those one-moment, two-moment sort of instances can really shape the game and the outcome.
0: Well, early in the season, uh, Rutgers had won the meeting between them. So if Rutgers does end up winning, they will be playing Maryland again for the second week in a row. The first game between Rutgers and Wisconsin is Saturday, November 8th at 1 p.m. in College Park. And then let's move to the Sunday game of November 9th, which will be the Maryland and whoever wins. But we can move on to actually the Penn State MSU game, which will be at 1 p.m. the same time in University Park. This was an interesting game in in Penn in, uh, University Park. Uh, Michigan State goes in and beats uh, beats Penn State 2-0. A lot of the Michigan State guys said they had no problem with the 3-5-2. They thought it was fine. Does Bob Warming switch it up, or does he stick with that 3-5-2, you think?
1: I think he's probably going to stick with it. At this point, you've probably built that system enough that his players believe in it that they want to keep staying with that sort of style of play. I, I, I think a lot of this asked to come down to form and Michigan State and Penn State have been up and down lately it feels like both teams have sort of had really good games and really not so good games sort of like average performances and I, I think Sunday's matchup between the two teams is is going to be dictated by maybe like the opening 15 minutes. who comes out a little bit sharper who comes out and knocks the ball a little bit better and who gets on the front foot earlier and maybe sets the tone for the game because I, I feel like this game is As much of a toss up as any of the Big Ten. And I know Michigan State went in there and won the first name 2 0, which is really impressive because Penn State, I believe, has only lost two games at home this season.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So Michigan State's capable of swinging with the heavyweights, especially on the road. But it's just, it's, it's hard to predict either of these teams at this point because Penn State struggled recently and they finally picked up a win yesterday against Akron, a 1 0 result, which is a pretty solid result. But again, it wasn't a game they dominated. Andrew Wolverton had to come up with some great plays late in the game and they're going to need him to do that against Michigan State too.
0: So as you mentioned, Michigan State is four, two and two away, and like you said, Penn State is nine and two and zero at home. In 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 Indiana and in Bloomington last night, Michigan State really switched up their lineup. I don't I don't know if Keener maybe out with a little injury, but they definitely revamped their defensive line and they changed up they put some freshmen in the midfield. Did you like what they do? Do you think they should stick with that for the Penn State game or go back to the old formation?
1: I mean, just based off the things I saw from the goals, I, it looked like they knocked the ball really well against Indiana. I think the the same problems are there. I, I think if you're going to get in a set-piece battle, it, it's going to be a little hard on Michigan State for whatever reason. It seems like they sometimes struggle with long throw-ins. And they sometimes struggle with set-piece delivery and, and little things like that that you see. That you'd think they'd have cleaned up, but beyond that, just from the run of play, it looked like Michigan State knocked the ball really well last night. And I, I think if you're a coaching staff, you have to look at that and think, Penn State's going to try to knock the ball against us. I think if Michigan State can keep hold of the ball, can maybe keep possession of the ball and dominate the, the game through just having possession, that's something you want to take as a game plan and, uh Penn State. But then again, their previous game plan, how they approached the, the first time they met, is they, it was a good result. They won 2-0. So, I mean, both options are out there. But I think if you're a coach, you're probably looking at that first game plan, how you approach that game, and maybe lean in on that a little more heavily than what happened last night against Indiana.
0: And then we have some, you know, some goal scorers in this game. Jason Stacey, four goals, seven assists, 15 points for Michigan State. But then you have Connor Maloney on the other side, the sophomore forward, nine goals, three assists, 21 points. There's definitely offensive weapons in this game, uh, but who ends up coming out on top, you think?
1: I think the battle is going to come down to Wolverton against Bennett. I think it's going to be, again, up to the goalkeeper for who makes that save. And Bennett, for how good he's been for a Michigan State player the last couple of weeks, I haven't been entirely confident in some of his saves and some of his. Decision, but I think Wolverton maybe has a slight edge right now, and I think Michigan State might just eat this one out. Sorry, Penn State might just eat this one
0: out. Wolverton and Bennett both have nine shutouts on the season. Uh, Wolverton thirteen goals against Bennett fourteen goals against. uh Bennett started in eighteen and played in eighteen, and Wolverton's played in sixteen and started in sixteen. So you have Michigan State edging him out. So let's move to the next game: Northwestern and Indiana. Indiana is heading to Evanston. And from what I have here, Indi- uh, they tied in earlier in the season. But the funny thing is, Indiana plays a lot better away than they do at home. They're 5-0-1 away, and only 4-3-3 and at home. And then you have a Northwestern team who's 7-0-1 at home. This is an interesting game to me, I feel like. Uh, this is probably another one where you just fl- you toss the coin or throw the dart at the board, and you know whoever it lands on or whatever you pick you know is going to win. Uh, what do you think about this game?
1: It's strange to say this, but I feel like Indiana's a much better team, but I think Northwestern is going to win this game. And the reason I say that is Northwestern's a little bit more experienced. Their defense is a little bit older, and I think Northwestern's going to be capable of, getting an early goal through Joey Colestri or one of their other options up front and then capable of parking the bus in this game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Tyler Miller's probably going to come up with a couple of good saves late in the game, but overall, I think this game is going to be like a 1-0 Northwestern win, and that's not to take anything away from Indiana and the great season they've had. I just feel like Northwestern has a good coach. They have an experienced defense. And they have a very good goalkeeper. And those are sort of the three things you look for, especially in tournament play. Those are the things that really help teams advance and help teams win games, even when they have off days.
0: Yeah, Tyler Miller, 10 goals against, 9 shutouts, started in 17, played in 17. But this Indiana team has beaten Notre Dame at home, and they've won some other big games as well. But uh, is it going to be a game of possession in order for Indiana to win then, if, if they can win?
1: I think in the end, best bet in these situations, and this probably applies to any game they face in the Big Ten tournament, is even to sit back, too, and let Northwestern keep possession and then try to catch them either on the counter-attack or try to catch them on set-pieces. For anyone who's seen Indiana this year, they have long throwings, and they're very good at getting on the end of long throwings, and that's how they're scoring a lot of goals in their game. So. They have their strategies. They know what they're good at, and they know what they want to do. So they want to accomplish those things, and it's not hard to accomplish those things in the college game. You knock the ball forward on one ball. You hope the defense kicks it out, and you get your player up there to make a long throw in. It shortens the game, too. The player takes the 30 seconds to run over and get the ball. Then he takes a minute to get the ball into play. The clock is up to the the scorekeeper or whoever it is at that field to stop it or do anything like that. But in those situations, you're knocking two minutes off of a game every time you do that. So it it makes the game a little bit ugly. I'm not going to deny that, but it definitely shortens the game too. So it keeps these games closer. It keeps the score down because there's less time for the ball to be in play. And I think those are the things Indiana is going to look for. They're smart about these things, but they understand these things are things that help you win games. So Indiana wants to be in those situations where they can be close keep the score low, and then try to score off those set pieces.
0: And then let's move to the last game of uh, the day on Sunday. We have Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, by the way, all these Sunday games are 1 p.m. kickoff. This game is really interesting because these these two teams just played. Ohio State edges out Michigan 2-1 in, in Ann Arbor. But I had seen on Sunday a Michigan team come into East Lansing and beat the Spartans 3-2. That Michigan's your kryptonite michigan's an enigma to me i can't find i can't tell when they're going to show up and when they're not so who ends up winning this game in columbus
1: i honestly cannot believe well, i State say second in the big ten it's that <laughs> blows my mind as much as they like i i don't know what's gonna happen in this game I, I really have no idea it could go anyway it could go, it could, go it, it could be five four it could be one zero i really don't know what's gonna happen here i think Michigan has a lot more to play for than Ohio State. I feel like Ohio State could be a little bit comfortable. They could be in that situation where they finish second in the Big Ten, they're going to make the tournament just based off of that and their record. While Michigan needs two wins to become eligible for the tournament, they have to get Actually, they have to win out. So Michigan's in that situation where this is their last game of the season. You win, you move on, you lose, you're done. So Michigan has a lot more to play for. I don't know if it's going to work out as well for them. There's still some obvious holes in how they approach the game. In some ways, they give up goals pretty easily at times. So I feel like Ohio State's going to look to sit back on Michigan, let Michigan have the ball, let Michigan try to get wide to their players that they like to do their counter, their outside on the wings and try to come out players 1-1. And I think Ohio State's going to catch them on the counter. I think Danny Jensen and Christian Soldat have done very well in terms of just being players with speed and game behind defenses, and I think that's where Michigan's vulnerable. I think Ohio State's probably going to end up winning this game, but I I can't figure out Michigan, and Michigan could show up to this game and play as well as they did against Michigan State, and they could easily come out with a win. So I'm not surprised by any result, but I think my prediction would be Ohio State wins this game.
0: Okay, I don't think Michigan can even figure out themselves, to be honest with you. Uh <laughs> So right now, uh, I guess Ohio State is 4-2-3 and three at home this season, and then Michigan's only 3-2-1 and one on away. Colin McAtee for Michigan, though, uh, eight goals, two assists, 18 points, uh, got the game winner against Michigan State last Sunday. Uh, Salamani's been playing well. Uh, I, he's a threat up top for Michigan, um, and so is McAtee. Uh, is it going to take Salamani and McAtee in order for Michigan to win this game?
1: Yes, definitely. I think both those guys will need to be at top form, and, sharp and they have to put away their chances i think those two are definitely going to be the key players for michigan i think for michigan to win this game it's probably going to have to be a shootout it's probably going to have to be a high scoring game they're just going to have to be able to score more goals now how State's capable of playing in the back of the net i think telemoney and macapea and even will meller's Blair, their winger the transfer from i think from georgia southern or georgia state one of those schools mm-hmm. Those three guys are going to have to be the key figures for Michigan in this game because they're going to have to lead the offense, and Tyler Arnone's also going to have to have a big game in shutting down those counterattack opportunities. He's going to have to be that rover in the center of the field to stop Ohio State from catching Michigan on the
0: break. The s- semifinals, what we have here is you have Maryland playing Rutgers, and then the winner of the maryland Rutgers game will play Michigan State, and then Northwestern beats Indiana, and then Ohio State will play Northwestern in the semifinals. So let's move to that 1-8 game, which would be in College Park. That's going to be on Sunday, November 9th as well. Maryland and Rutgers, they just played. Maryland edges them out 3-2. What do you make of this game? Can can Rutgers keep it close again, or is Maryland just too good at home?
1: I think Rutgers can keep it close again. I think Jason Wright, the player we mentioned earlier, is the key figure to that. He's the he's that demon who gives the Maryland defense trouble, and if he gets free of the defense and he starts creating havoc, he can maybe make Maryland a little uncomfortable, get them a little nervous at home. I think on paper, Maryland's a much better team, and Maryland has a very good coach, but I think if there is going to be a huge upset, Rutgers is capable of pulling it off just based off the sort of talent they have in the attack. That said, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Maryland's probably going to be able to hold on to the ball long enough to limit the chances for Wright, and they're going to probably see through this game pretty easily to move on. But I, I think Rutgers is all, is capable of keeping this both. I just don't think they're going to be a little pull off the upset.
0: So what you're saying is Maryland's defense, does it scare you a little bit? Is that why it can keep Rutgers in the game, or is it just Rutgers attacking that can keep them in the game?
1: Maryland's defense for the last two or three years has been suspect to me. And I think there are times where teams could exploit it, but they haven't done a good job of putting away chances. I I think there's opportunities out there for teams to exploit Maryland's defense. And for whatever reason, maybe they're nervous playing against Maryland or maybe it's something else or maybe Stefan just makes a great save. But I, I don't think Maryland's as intimidating of a defense as they have been four or five years ago. So I feel like there is opportunities for Maryland to get knocked off that top seed. But I don't know if Rutgers has the overall talent level to actually do it. I think it might happen elsewhere in the big-time tournament, but I don't think it's going to be in this game.
0: Okay. And then who steps up for Maryland? Because Endo had been a big part. When he was out, they had not played well. then since he's been back, they've played a lot better. Shinsky's been scoring goals. Uh, you know who has to step up for Maryland in this Rutgers game
1: I mean the two guys you just mentioned obviously Dan Metzger also needs to step up too you, you need those midfield players to keep control of the ball and to knock the ball around and keep pace of the game and to dictate the sort of terms that the game's going to be played on so you need all of those guys to be cohesive and to be playing on the same page and to, to do the things that Maryland's capable of doing, which is knocking the ball around, making the defense chase the ball, letting them get tired, and then scoring a goal and and putting the game away after that. So I think all of those guys need to step up and have a good game for this to be a pretty easy game for Maryland. And I think Maryland's going to want that because winning eight games in a row is not easy. And eventually those sort of things catch up to you. Those little injuries that you've been carrying through that eight-game stretch catch up to you. Those, those things that have been minor nags on you at times, the, the little exploits you've had that you've been able to squeeze through, they, they start to catch up to you. and I, I think Maryland probably battling through that a little bit. Winning helps cover up some mistakes, but sometimes those get exposed in random opportunities. So I, I think Maryland might be a little suspect for an upset eventually, but I don't think Rutgers is capable of it.
0: Okay. Your pick would lead us to a Maryland-Michigan State game, and that's and those semifinal games will be played on Friday, November 14th, and they will be played in College Park because Maryland will be the highest seed left. So that would kick off at 1 p.m. Now, MSU went in there earlier in the season when Maryland was struggling, and they won 1-0. I watched that game. Jason Stacey poked it past Steffen. They seem to have Maryland figured out in that game, but this is a whole new Maryland team. If, and if they continue this winning streak, that'll be nine in a row coming into this game. Can Michigan State go into College Park and do and beat them again, Maryland?
1: The reason why I sort of like Michigan State and those sort of opportunities is that Michigan State has the defense that can step up in those situations. They have the players and the personnel that, that are capable of maybe defending for 80, 85 minutes. And limited a team to maybe three or four chances where Bennett can make the phase. And I think in that sort of situation, Michigan state's definitely capable of it. I think there's still going to be obviously the underdogs going into college park and going against the team in Maryland form, which has just been rolling through people. But I think Michigan state is capable of it because they have those, those attacking talents that are capable of scoring a goal against the round of play. And they also have the defense that, that can shut down players at times. And they have hard-working midfielders who can put pressure on the opposing team and disrupt rhythm. So all of the tools are there for Michigan State to pull off these upsets and to maybe make things interesting. And I, I think it's going to be a fascinating battle between them and Maryland if the, if this tournament does shake out that way
0: only thing that scares me about Michigan State is it—it's one or two things they give away. Either it's a bad pass in the in the in their defensive third that leads to a goal, and then they have to battle back, and they battle back, and then they give up another one, and then you know it's it's a give or take thing, I guess, in college soccer. I mean, any in any level of soccer, but that's what scares me. It's the middle mistakes Michigan State makes that could really give Maryland this game. Uh, I mean, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and I definitely you definitely can't afford to make those types of mistakes in this type of situation, especially in these tournament knockout games. Those mistakes get uh, magnified to an exponential purpose and like you you can't afford to make those little mistakes. I mean, like from that Michigan, Michigan State game last week when uh Bennett just rolls the ball out and, and McAfee closes down and then Bennett hits off his back and McAfee tries the overhead kick that goes wide. Those are the types of things that they're not that big of a deal in league play. So you go up one goal, it's not that big of a deal. But if you do that in a tournament situation and you go up a goal in that situation, that could be a real, like, breaker for a team because it destroys a little bit of that confidence. You're playing for 75, 80 minutes, whatever it is, defending, and then you go up a goal on something soft like that, and it really can destroy the mentality of a team. So Michigan State can't afford to make those little mistakes. They They really can't afford to make that type of mistake in this game, so... I think that's one of the reasons you have to be hesitant about them, but those are mistakes that can be fixed and they can't be cleaned up. And it's just a it's, a, it's a matter of keeping your concentration for the whole game.
0: So who do you like in this game, Maryland or Michigan state?
1: After everything I just said, I still like Maryland. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, I, I think Sasha is a great coach. I think he's going to have his boys ready for this game. I, I think they're, they're still uh, maybe a half step above what Michigan State has shown so far this season, but I, I think Maryland's the-, the team to beat in this game. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I could pick that one. That's such a toss-up. I mean, I know I cover Michigan State soccer, but I kind of may have to agree with you there. I think Maryland the second time coming in to Ludwig Stadium, I don't think they let them have it. So I think Michigan State does drop that game.
1: I mean, Maryland's probably been the best team in the country for the past three to four weeks. They've won eight games in a row, but those eight games have been against very good teams. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at this matchup, it's, it's the type of matchup where you're like, this game could be in the semifinals of the Big Ten or it could be in the semifinals of the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. That's how good Maryland is right now. So I, I don't think it's any slight on Michigan State that they're a slight underdog against the best team in the Big Ten right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And then let's move to the game later on Friday at 3.40 p.m. That's the second semifinal game. So you have Northwestern-Ohio State. Uh, Interesting matchup. Uh, Who do you think will win? Uh, Northwestern, a very solid defensive team. Ohio State, like you said, the surprise. No one thought they'd finish second in the Big Ten. So who do you you have in this game?
1: Oh, man, this isn't... A uh, game for the faint of heart. This is probably going to be a relatively ugly game with a lot of fouls. <laughs> I imagine Ohio State's probably going to try to make this pretty ugly by fouling the Northwestern midfielders and disrupting any rhythm. So I, I think Ohio State's going to have a pretty clear game plan, but I don't know. It, it's tough to pick Ohio State because I'm not terribly confident in their attack scoring any goals, but they, they've shown this season that they've scored and when they have the chances. So I think if Ohio State can execute their game plan to the way they want to, they could come away with a result in this game. But I think it's even more of a coin flip than the first game. I think this game, if it does shake out this way, I think it would go penalty kicks. And in that situation, I'm taking Tyler Miller over anyone. So I'm going to say... Northwestern advances on penalty
0: check. So you have Northwestern advancing a very ugly game. So that gives us the final to the championship matchup for you for Maryland and Northwestern. This is going to be a very, I feel like, possessive game. Two very uh, well-disciplined teams. Northwestern maybe not as offensively good as Maryland, but this makes out to be an interesting championship game. So in your mind, between Maryland and Northwestern, who comes out victorious?
1: I think this might be a little bit easier of a game for Maryland than the game against Michigan State. I think the pieces on Northwestern don't quite match up as well against Maryland. I think they match up well against most teams, but I think the way Maryland plays presents more problems for Northwestern. I I think Maryland's uh, a pretty clear favorite in this situation, especially at home, especially away from Evanston where uh, Northwestern's a dominant team. So I, I think Maryland's I guess in theory my favorite to win the Big Ten. But again, saying all of this and going through the breakdowns and everything I don't think anyone weighing the Big Ten would actually surprise me at this point. So I I'd pick Maryland to win it and I think they'd walk through it the way I, I said, but it it wouldn't surprise me if someone else pulled off a result and knocked anyone else off in the, in this sort of tournament.
0: I think Maryland might want that game back for when they were at Northwestern when that ball should have went out of they clearly think they ball should have went out of bounds and, and uh, Northwestern up scoring to win. So
1: I get the feeling Sasha Sarovsky won't be complaining about the refs after <laughs> the second meeting if it does happen.
0: Yeah. Yes, I, I have a feeling too. I'm going to go a little differently, with, I guess, with mine. I'm going to say, for some reason, I, I feel like Wisconsin has something to prove. So I feel like they beat Rutgers in that first game. But then Maryland beats Wisconsin. I like MSU over Penn State because I don't think Penn State's a very good tournament team, at least for the Big Ten tourney. I think they want to start to prepare for the NCAA tourney. So we have Maryland and MSU in the semifinals. I like Northwestern. Indiana, to me, is uh, they're not an enigma, but I just feel like Northwestern at home on that turf field, they play so well. They're hard to beat there with the wind and the weather condition, depending on what's going to happen. And then Ohio State-Michigan, that's a toss-up to me. I'm going to say Michigan wins just because I think they want it really badly. I saw them play against Michigan State on Sunday. They want it really badly. They probably don't want to lose twice in a row to a rival. But I kind of agree with you. I think Maryland beats Michigan State. I like Northwestern Maryland in the final just because of the path maybe Northwestern has. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Now to the seeding uh, for the NCAA tournament. Who's actually going to get a seat out of the Big Ten, you think?
1: If Maryland wins the Big Ten, you could pencil someone in for a seed. Uh, I think the other, not for sure, but pretty close to guarantee is Indiana to get top eight seed. I think when you look for the top 16 seed, I think Michigan State, if they beat Penn State on the road, that would probably push them into the discussion for being a top 16 team to get a seed. Uh, Northwestern. If they beat Indiana and maybe another win after that, that would probably push them into the conversation. So that would probably put four Big Ten teams among the top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. I think you can probably pencil in all of the semifinalists, assuming there's no upsets are no big upsets. I guess saying that, I guess Indiana would probably make it. So it would be one of the semifinalists doesn't get the seed, and Indiana takes that seed.
0: Okay. But other than
1: that, I'm thinking it's going to be four from the Big Ten tournament for the NCAA
0: tournament. Okay, so you're saying four teams, four Big Ten teams are going to buy the first week, the first day? Yeah. And then uh, do you still think five teams make it, or is it looking more like four for the NCAA tournament?
1: I'm thinking it's looking more like six. I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State, that's three. Northwestern Indiana would be five, and then I think Ohio State's going to be six. I think the only situation that would play out that would make it eight would be if Michigan ends up winning the Big Ten tournament, and then they'd get the automatic first.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, saying that, Rutgers slash Wisconsin's also capable of winning it, but that seems like even more of a long shot because they'd have to win four games in the course of a week, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I- I'm thinking Michigan's the likeliest chance of there being seven teams making it. But for the 6 that they're already... In the discussion, I'm thinking those six are going to make it. The Big Ten's a very good conference, and I think when the NCAA selection committee sits down and looks at things and examines the wins and examines how the teams have performed on the road at home, all the sort of factors that go into these discussions, I think the Big Ten's going to look better than almost any other conference, and that's going to help them land that many teams in the NCAA tournament. And I think all six, so those teams should be playing at home for their first
0: game. Uh well in the mid season podcast, just to wrap things up, I asked you about for big ten freshman of the year and big ten, you know, goalkeeper and player of the year. I'm gonna ask you again today since the season's done with. Um, I know we still have the tournament, the big ten tournament to go through. But which freshman do you think has earned Big Ten Freshman of the Year?
1: I think it's gonna be Jason Wright. I, I think when you look at his staff, it speaks pretty loudly for how well he's done on a record team that's maybe not great, but he's kept them relatively competitive in some games. I mean, eight goals and four assists, nothing to sneeze at, and that's pretty impressive for a freshman. I I think it's going to attract a lot of interest into him, and I I think it's going to end up with him winning the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. But the Freshman of the Year competition should be pretty close. I think almost every team has a freshman who has – some resume worthy of discussing at this level I, I think I picked Grant Lillard at the midseason and he's still done really well for Indiana I, I think it's just the fact that when you look at stats it's pretty easy to pick a forward to win these types of awards but I think Grant Lillard's done well for Indiana I think Ken Crawley's come on late for Michigan State and the two goals he scored against Indiana last night were exceptional I think it's I, I know they don't really count the Big Ten tournament in it, but I, I have expectations he'll do well there, too. So I, I think if, if you look around the scope of the Big Ten, there are freshmen doing well at each turn. Even Maryland has George Campbell, who's come on and done well pretty recently. I know he's still coming off the bench for them, but he's a good little player who looks like he's going to have a bright future in the conference.
0: For goalkeeper, you've liked Andrew Wilverton since the beginning. Um, the stats show that he is Probably, I think he sits on top of the Big Ten conference. Um, and Bennett's up there, and Tyler Miller's up there as well. Three good goalkeepers, but there's probably even more. Since, as you said in our first uh, Big Ten podcast for the preview, of that this is the goalkeeper conference. You know, which goalkeeper do you like for goal, uh, Big Ten goalkeeper of the year?
1: It, it, I mean, I, I've always been driving the Wolverton bandwagon since the beginning, but I, I think Tyler Miller is probably more deserving of it at this point. I think the the recent form from Penn State, sort of the the drop in results recently, has sort of put a negative spin on it. And Northwestern has just turned out results. I know they finished third in the conference, and Miller has done exceptionally well. I, I think if Miller had even more support, he'd probably be doing even better. I mean, he's. I believe, fifth in the nation right now in save percentage, which is just incredible. I think last week he saved a penalty kick and he saved the rebound, and then finally the team scored on the third chance. But Miller's season's been pretty exceptional, and I I think he's going to end up winning the Big Ten Goalkeeper of the Year.
0: And I don't know if they give him the award out for Big Ten Player of the Year anymore. I know they used to. Um, But if you had to pick a Big Ten Player of the Year, who would it be?
1: Um I'd pick Connor Maloney, the Penn State sophomore forward. I, I think he's done really well in terms of playing in that system and in terms of putting away his chances. I think he's on nine goals that you mentioned earlier on the podcast. And I, I think when you look at those types of things, you look at sort of goal scores more than anything and it's kinda it's, it's a little more difficult for midfielders and defenders to win these awards. And I think Connor Maloney's probably stands out from the crowd because I believe he's leading the conference in goals scored at this point. So I, I think in terms of what he's meant to Penn State this year and in terms of the, the goals he scored for that team, uh, he's probably the favorite to win the, the Big Ten Player of the Year.
0: Okay. Oh, final question relating to the NCAA Tournament and the Big Ten teams. You said six of them because you think Ohio State will sneak in there at the end. Which yep. team has the best opportunity to make it to carry North Carolina?
1: I think Maryland does just based off the coaching staff. I, I believe Maryland isn't a great roster. It's probably the weakest roster that that coaching staff has had in a couple of years. But just the coaching staff seems to know how to get the absolute best out of the players. And I think that's important during during tournament time because you can use those motivation tactics to, to get those players ready. But in saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if two teams make it from the Big Ten to the College Cup. I, I That wouldn't surprise me at all. I think the Big Ten's very good this year, and I think the ACC isn't quite as good. I think the ACC's been a little bit inflated, and I think the Big Ten matches up well against almost any other conference. And I think the teams who go against the Big Ten teams in the end of the tournament are going to have a very difficult time defeating them. So it wouldn't surprise me that the Big Ten ends up sending two teams. And I think once you get past that Maryland Plateau. It's it's really a toss up, and even for Maryland, it's a toss up. So I wouldn't be surprised if any of the six end up making it a run to College Cup. All you need to do is get hot for three weeks. That's all you need. And like we've talked about before, every team in this conference has a very good goalie. Every team who's going to make the NCAA tournament has a very good goalie. So if a goalkeeper gets hot, if a defense is strong there's really limited situations to get defeated in games. Then. So I think those are the types of things that are going to help the big 10 teams make it far in the NCAA tournament and probably end up playing one or two in college stuff.
0: All right. Well, that's Jr. Eskelson, a reporter for top Jr., Uh, JR, thanks for joining on the podcast and hopefully, uh, we can do a little NCAA, uh, a podcast, uh, with the, um, when they, when everything gets released.
1: sounds good, bro. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks do you. Take care. I right,